This is a Think Live Be production. Hello. Good morning. Just kidding. Hey, I can't think about anything or focus on anything. I know. How are we going to do this podcast? Well, the dog is barking in the background, <laughs> so we're off to a great start. We just started and pistachio is already barking. Unbelievable. But yes, the reason I can't focus is because we've listed one of our properties for sale. Yeah. And this is actually the first time that we're ever, we're actually yeah. selling. We buy houses. We like to buy them. But we don't really sell them. So it's different. Yeah. It's different. Sure. <laughs> there's something with buying, like there's an excitement and you definitely, you know, have a focus on that with well, you're like, getting something well you and you're, you're not, excited about like what changes you're going to make and all the things this is different though there's like this anxiety about what will people think about what you've done to it yeah like, and in this particular case this for newer listeners that maybe haven't listened in the past this is our what was well, this our, was this was our home for 10 years. Yeah. So it's not like one of our rental properties that we're selling. And this is like was our home for 10 years. And we did a complete renovation for it took years. T-D-B. Yeah. It took years and years to do the renovations on it. So and it was a lot of and we did most all of it by ourselves. Well, top, the planning. Yeah. We didn't dig the hole for the pool. <laughs> And, right, and stuff. Well, we and then we, we hired con- contractors for some stuff, but a lot of the little things are up and yeah, down. Yeah, no, 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 for yeah. sure. There was a lot of things that there was. There was, as I said, blood, sweat, tears, yeah, and money. I remember that first, <laughs> the first uh, few months that we had the house, and it, like the front yard was all uh, kind of weeds and stuff. So I sprayed it all out, and it was all dead grass, and I it was in the middle of summer, and it was hot. And I was just sitting in the front yard. The previous owner had buried um, extension cords oh, yeah. about three feet underground and ran extension cords. And then the little end of the cord came up out onto a four by four post. And then he plugged like p- like lighting into it for mm-hmm. like post light uh-huh. and stuff. And so super professional. Yeah. And I just remember like being down there like and it, then it was it ran into the house <laughs> is what it did. It ran into the under the front porch of the of the house and then was plugged into a plug yeah and so i had to i was he ripped that out yeah but i just remember sitting in that hot hot florida summer sun sweating digging sitting in a hole that i dug (laughs) surrounded by dead grass you're like what have we done i was like oh no what (laughs) did we do some ownership and that was the that was the beginning of of everything well and Luckily, so we haven't lived in this house for about two and a half years because we moved and we turned it into a rental because we have goals about rental properties. But this house, that house was never designed or built to be a rental property. Right. And so. And when we have the house I'm working on now, we know with every decision that's made, uh, whether it's landscaping or what kind of floor were we putting down or what kind of countertop or whatever, that we are ready for it to get beat to hell by whoever yeah, because is in there but our home with rejuvenation lights and hardwood floors and and beautiful brand new pool and 
bamboo that needs to be maintained. <laughs> bamboo everywhere. Um, it's beautiful. It's beautiful, but it was never meant to have somebody rent it out. Yeah. And so, but we did because it, I mean, it was a, it was a good idea at the time and I'm glad that we did. Um, but looking at it, like once the tenants let us know that they were moving out, mm-hmm. I was like, hold on, let's reevaluate this because this house wasn't meant to be a rental and we can just reinvest into other rentals. Right. And not see our little baby that we nurtured fall and, apart. and fall apart and with everything, tenants every, and have to redo it in 10 Right. Years. And everything is new right now. So good idea to get rid of it. Sell it now while everything in there is new and looks nice versus holding on to it for five years and having tenants just because well, we had, everything is another five years old and right, it's it's right. like it's so it's 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 special and so I feel like I want somebody else to enjoy that and not see it just kind of get beat up yeah it's like you, that that you know are there temporarily you hear I'm sure all the time from buyers little old lady who's lived in the house for 45 years doesn't want to sell to the uh, investment group from Miami because they're just planning on knocking it over and building something else. And it's like, there are people who say, I don't care. Just give me the highest check. And then there are other people who say, I want to make sure that (laughs) I want all things being equal. I want the person who is going to take care of it and love it by it, by it. And I never really understood that until I went to sell my own house. Yeah. Well, and so (laughs) figuring out listing price and prepping and all the things I'm, I'm, I'm doing an experiment Yeah, where I'm like, I'm going to be the perfect seller. I'm going to pre-inspect this thing. We're going to do all the repairs on the list. We're going to get it in tip top shape before, before we do do photos. I I did all the photos as you listeners know. Yeah. So I did, I did all of that and and made them all as, as the best photos I could make. Catherine had ads set up and ready to go. Before we, uh, which you before. can only do when you prepare. I've always yeah. got these sellers who are like, "Can we get the photos done tomorrow and the property on the market?" And it's like, "Well, I can." And does that make sense? Like, right. can we have an extra couple days so that I can actually get the photos back, edited, put together the ads and the pieces and the things that we're going to use to market this property, and not just rush to get it out there? Yeah, I, I understand them wanting to rush too. I never really understood that as much before, but I can see like where we were at and stuff. And it's like, should we just because we were finished the other day? And you're like, should we just list it? And it's like, I said, stick with the plan. Said, we planned the- on well, listing I know, it. Because on- I was like ready. I was yeah, because like, we were ready to go. Done. But it's like we had a plan. But I can see how people, you know, and it's, I mean, how many of our listeners out there, you know, you give them the staging plan to go do all of that stuff. And then they don't do it because they ran out of time. And then you list the house anyway. And it's like, ugh, if you guys would have just waited another week. Yeah. You know, but people are paying mortgage payments that you don't want to pay or two mortgage payments and, you know. Well, so I'm I'm experimenting and then and then choosing the price, like strategically pricing it and all the things that I tell every seller to do, but they don't always take all the advice. And honestly, the pre-inspection thing, most of the time I don't tell sellers to do because I know they're not going to do all the repairs and then all you have is just a list of things for somebody that, that, else to do. Right, that aren't that wasn't done, yeah. Yeah, so like this this situation was different cuz I knew like whatever comes up we're just going to fix. I wonder if it's if I I know it costs money to for them to do that, but I almost wonder like when you've got people who want to list at the top end 
like you give them a price of X and then they want to list it even at the higher than the top end, then you suggest, well, to do that, we should probably get an inspection, pre-inspection done. And then you can slap that 40 page thing down and go, this is why you're not going to get what you think you're going to get. Now, if you do all of the things on this list, they'll never do them and stuff. But maybe it's a a way that you can kind of, I don't know. Yeah. People People don't listen. But so on that note, we're selling a house and I thought it would be a good idea to talk about sellers and all the things, but primarily explaining commission and how you explain that to them. Because I feel like that's something I have a really good grasp on. I don't pretend to be an expert in everything. I do know a lot. I've been doing this a very long time. If you're listening for the first time to our podcast, I've been doing this since I graduated college. (laughs) I'm old. (laughs) And through all of that experience, I have learned along the way how to explain commission to sellers in a way that um, I think they understand. Now, I'm not saying that every time you take a commission it, or you take a listing that it's exactly the commission rate you want or whatever. The end, at the end of the day, these things are negotiable. You just get to decide what's your rate and how much does it cost you to run your business. That's the super important part that most people don't know. They don't know their numbers, so they don't really know what they can and can't do when it comes to taking a listing. Right. But anyways, I want to talk about that today. Okay. Is that okay with you? Yep. Do I have your permission? You do. So this is our podcast, Seeking the Best, by the way, in case you're listening. Everybody who's listening is listening. <laughs> he hates it when I say that because if you're listening, everybody's then listening. you're listening. Right. So you don't have to say that part. <laughs> so anyways, this is our podcast and we love talking about real estate, or at least I do. And I love Pat- to listen. Patrick loves to listen. Uh, my name is Catherine Stelges. I'm your host here in Central Florida. And uh, my husband... My hubster. Don't do that. <laughs> you know I don't like that. I'm sorry. Um, my, <laughs> I apologize. That is just an inside joke. Pat hates that so much. It's um, not that. The, it's not that I hate it. Like I, there's people that we know that have crossed our paths over our lives that have used those, these kind of nicknames for yes, and that I just I don't like. It's why. Yeah. Why. Yeah. I don't understand. It's one thing for us to joke around in private, I guess in private with all of the listeners listening. <laughs> so it's not really private, but it's another thing like when people use those pet names like in public. Right. And by the way, like I PDA. never, I don't ever actually say that. I've no, only said no. it like twice on the podcast I because I know how much it bothers you. Um, But anyways, Patrick is. Hi. Is here. I'm here. He's always around. I'm here. I'm the producer. <laughs> He's the producer. And I help Kat anywhere that I can when it comes to the real, real estate. estate team. You're yeah. my real estate partner. Yeah. You're my partner in life. S- silent partner. Yes, he's not involved in I'm the day to day operations. She won't let me. She won't let me team. talk to any of the team. I don't they think don't, that's a good idea. They, they don't want to hear from me. <laughs> they don't want to hear what I have to say. <laughs> <laughs> but anyways, we we started recording this podcast. Um, oh my gosh, like three years ago now, yep. more than three. Mm-hmm. It's going on four. That's crazy. And um, we just we like to talk about real estate We're and rolling up on two hundred episodes. That's crazy. Mm-hmm. We primarily, though, most of the time, it's less, I think, it's less uh, telling and more like talking through. Like, I like to come up with ideas and we talk about ways to make things better. That's why it's called Seeking the Best. Like, okay, yeah, that worked. And what else can we do? Um, But sometimes 
I just want to straight up tell people like this is how it is. And I know that because I've been doing this for 17 years. And this is one of those episodes. You guys are going to get a lesson. This is Pay a attention. lesson yeah. in how to explain commission. And I believe, and I could be wrong. This is where I'll admit, I believe this is correct in every state. But I could be wrong. Every state has different rules and mm-hmm. regulations and whatnot. But most most places, the seller pays the commission and the buyer's broker fee is included. Meaning we take a gross commission and then we agree to compensate other brokers that bring the buyer. Mm-hmm. So when we sit down and we complete a listing agreement, the seller is agreeing to pay a gross compensation, mm-hmm. whatever that is. To your broker. To the listing broker. The gro- It's called right. gross. Yeah, I, just, I said your broker because I'm approaching this as if you were the listing agent. Okay, well, okay, yeah. So the, just so keep things clear for people. I'm the listing agent. Right. And when I sit down with the seller, they're going to agree to pay a gross commission or gross compensation. Mm-hmm. That's how it's written out in the agreement. That's the total amount that they'll pay. And then later in the agreement, it describes that I will cooperate with other brokers, right. agents, mm-hmm. who bring buyers, and I will agree to pay them X. Right. And that is a portion of the gross commission. Right. So I'm going to use numbers, and I'm going to do, I'm going to use numbers that like, are absurd. Use use t- ten and five. Okay. That way, it's 10%. easy math. Easy math. I wish we could get ten. I know everybody knows that that's not the number, but we're not allowed to. Well, we're allowed to do whatever we want, but I just want to be clear: it's all negotiable, right? Yeah. But if if your listing gross compensation is ten percent, and you go into a listing appointment, then you might agree to split that evenly. That's that's mm-hmm. something that's done frequently in the business because yeah. the other agent is going to be doing potentially half the work. You could argue this a million different ways. Right. I've seen, oh my gosh, so many different Facebook posts. And people think that listing agents should make more because they're the ones who spend money on the marketing and there's a cost to hold a listing, blah, blah, blah. And some people think buyer's agents should make more because you guys are the ones driving around. And I say you guys knowing that I still work with buyers and um, and I have for for many, many years. And then there's most of people who are just like it all it all works its way out in the wash. Well, so for the most part, though, it's it's common practice to split it because right. they're five and five because there are a lot of duties on both sides. Mm-hmm. And so but when I take a listing, uh, the the compensation that the seller owes me is the 10 in this scenario. Mm-hmm. And then I decide and I explain to them in the agreement how I will split that with other agents. And mm-hmm. I could choose. And if I, if the seller signs a listing agreement, I could choose to do it six and four mm-hmm. or seven and three mm-hmm. or any number of ways that eight, eight and two, <laughs> eight and nine two, and one, nine 10 and, and one. zero. Well, that I wouldn't do that. Right. We'll get into that. Yeah. We'll get into that. But um, or I could even do it the opposite. Mm -hmm. I take four. No, I give out six. Only only a psychopath would. (laughs) But that's not true. Yeah. In fact, in different markets, different tactics are employed. Right. And uh, uh, yeah. And and, yeah, there's all sorts of different variations. You could have relatives. It could be where, you know, you have you you're not going to take the commission because but you're going to still pay the right. Everybody's been. Well, I shouldn't say everybody, because if you're brand new to real estate and you're listening to this, you may not have seen a commission check yet. 
there are often times where you'll sit down, you get in our state anyways, you get an Alta settlement statement. I assume everywhere has settlement statements. And um, it shows you on the settlement statement what both brokers are making. And it will show you, and sometimes the listing broker will be making less, and sometimes they're making more. Mm-hmm. And I know, again, because I've seen a million Facebook posts, how that angers people when a listing broker makes more and blah, blah, blah. But anyways, the point of this isn't to decide who should, who should make more what? or right. what. The yeah. point is to explain to you guys how a commission works in almost every listing agreement that I've seen. And the reason why is to be able, because if you know that inside and out, then you can explain your worth and the way it works to your clients. Well, so when you go, so in this hypothetical scenario where we say the commission, the gross commission is 10%. So this is how you explain to the seller. Okay, Mr. Seller, the gross commission is 10%. And I'm going to cooperate with other brokers who bring buyers to your listings. And I'm going to agree to split that with them. And in my in, in our state, we have different ways. We have single agent, transaction broker, and non-rep. And I would say, okay, and Mr. Seller, no matter how the buyer is being represented, I'm going to go ahead and split that 10%, five and five. And the reason is because I just I want to have the most exposure for your listing possible. And so I'm going to make sure that every single agent, no matter how they're representing their buyer, is going to be compensated fairly for their time and efforts. And even if that means I have to do a little bit more work, if it's like a non-rep situation, because that will make sure that your house gets sold. And they say, oh, okay, thank you. Great. I'll do it for 10. <laughs> and then um, and then we sign the paperwork. And I think what happens is um, a lot of people... You know, in the past, there's been confusion, even amongst our own industry. And so that's led to a lot of things, which we're not going to dig into too much, but I'll probably mention it at some point, where people think that, um, that like, we're, we're somehow, well, I don't want to get into that. Okay. I'm trying to stick to the one thing without getting too ranty. So anyways, so when you're explaining that commission, though, you, you have to know that you're your gross commission is what you're going to earn if you sell both sides, right? Like if you bring the buyer Mm -hmm. as a listing agent in this scenario, you're going to get paid 10%. Mm -hmm. And why? Because you're actually going to end up doing another job. Yeah. Somebody else's job. If that buyer comes unrepresented and you end up having to help them as well and they come and work with you, well, you still had to do all of that work. Yeah. You had to open for the, that side. You had to open the door for them for the you had to do yeah, you had to do all the transaction coordination on that side. Well and and, and all the other things that go the negotiation, what's your time worth and what's your experience worth. That there you know what I mean? Like it's not it's not just hours put in, it's your time and experience that you're that they're paying for as well. well. And so here's what this is. Okay, now I'm going to go down a bit of a rabbit hole. I don't know if you have that queued up. <laughs> Mr. Rabbit, wait! No, no, no. Always, always queued up. It's always there. So um, <laughs> now I forgot what I was going to say. Well, I was talking about time. and Oh, and- here's the problem with our industry. And I've always felt this way is that we don't, know our value. We don't, we all, we all kind of have this, um, you can go get your real estate license and you can charge the same commission that I am. Mm -hmm. 
even though I've been doing it for 17 years. So you could say, and I think it would be a reasonable statement that I'm a better agent. Yeah. And, and what I mean by that is more skilled in negotiation and handling transactions. Yeah. And dealing with clients and vendors and everything in between. If you have to get a license in order to be a guide up the a mountain, you go get your license and now you're a guide. But if you're standing next to the person who's been up and down that mountain a thousand times, do you think you're just as good of a guide? Well, of course not. Of course not. <laughs> and and who would you rather hire? Right. I don't want to die on, uh, on, on the mountain. The, the mountainside. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Now. In, in this scenario, though, like most, and, and it's not across the board, but you can, like it's an interesting industry that you can go get your real estate license and you can charge exactly the same yeah. as what I can charge. Yeah. And people can decide to hire you because they happen to know you somewhat. So they're like, okay, I'll trust you with the biggest asset of my life. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that's how this industry works a lot of times. Sure. And I know other things work this way too. Mm-hmm. But my point is, I've always thought that that's a little crazy, right? That... I've been doing this for this long and I don't actually make more money. I do in the sense that I've been doing this a long time. So I do more sales, but I don't get to charge more. And in fact, our industry is dictated by the market. So we've been coming out of a really hot seller's market. So, you know, the commission rates have gone down. Why? Because there's so much competition. There's so much competition for agents over business that drives prices down. Right. And so when you see lower commission rates and things like that, it's because they have a lot of options right? and they can choose, the seller can choose to go hire somebody that has less experience because they figure in this market, it doesn't matter that much. Mm-hmm. And now is that true? No. And, and we, we know that. Um, but the reality is that that's how the, that's how things work in real life. Mm-hmm. And so you have to be really, you have to really understand how, how commission works and what's your value. Right. Because what, what, what in, in a listing appointment, a seller um, say, well, we really like you and we would go with you, but this other agent, you're saying 10%, but this other agent said they would do it for seven. You have to be able to explain your worth well, or else go ex- down to seven. Right. And explain- if you don't know your numbers, you could walk away losing money. Well, so I had a situation once where um, this isn't so much about the commission. It's about a, a cancellation fee. So here's something else in, in listing agreements. There's usually a cancellation fee. Now, a lot of agents just charge zero. And here's why. Because they don't know how to explain what it is. Mm-hmm. And they don't value their money and time. And so it's easier to just say, well, if if you don't like my services, you can cancel at any time. Mm-hmm. And that's a tactic, right? That's a sales tactic. And I've used it in situations when I felt I needed to, where I'm, you know, I, I will do that. But at the end of the day, I don't want to work with people who are like, well, so can I just cancel anytime? Mm-hmm. And it's like, well, why would you need to cancel? Aren't you serious about selling your house? And then it's a red flag, right? Well, I had a situation once where the guy, he, he was ready to list with me um, and liked everything I had said. Except that I had a cancellation fee and that every other agent he met with, and I think he met with like six or something, <laughs> every other agent didn't. And he was like, can you explain why? And so I did. And I explained to him the upfront cost 
of signing that listing agreement and me getting to work on his behalf before I even put a sign in the yard. How much money and time is spent getting that listing ready? And now I know firsthand. (laughs) But on the seller's side, like how much time and energy they need to put into it too. But they need to know that you're doing the same. And I can't just let you cancel because you don't like the first feedback that we get. Right. And then I'm I'm just out that time and money. If you're serious about selling your house, the, and I, if you're as serious about selling your house as I am serious about getting it sold for you for top dollar, then you will sign this paper and you'll agree to compensate me for that time. It's not like I'm asking you to pay me the full commission. I'm asking you to compensate me for a, a cancellation. For the work I did. Yeah. For the work I did. And if we sell it, you don't owe that money. You just yeah. owe the commission. And it's it's totally different. Like most places, like the way I do things for, for my business, I don't work for you until you pay me half. I need a payment up front and then I will start to work for you. Real estate's the only one where it's like, you pay me at the end. Well, right? it's not the only one, but it is well, one of those businesses yeah. where it's like your payment isn't due when service is provided. Right. When services, if I got paid when service was provided, I'd get a paycheck every single day, like multiple times. Right. But I don't. I only get paid when the actual thing closes. And and that's how that's just how we work. And we all work really hard. If if you're if you've been in this business for any length of time, you know how hard you work to earn that commission and people don't see it. They don't. They should when they're bothering you and texting you and calling you at 7 p.m. and you're actually responding to them. But they think that's just your job. And that's just part of it. That's just realtor life, right? And so <laughs> Which is why we hate that. <laughs> when when you're think you're being funny and you post realtor life on Facebook or Instagram and it's some something that's like that, you're teaching people who aren't realtors that that's what you do. Yeah. And now you're just it's a self-fulfilling prophecy that you that you kind of create. Yeah. So stop doing that. So, but understanding Like, I think that's one of the things that one of the exercises that I've done over the last probably two years, maybe I went to, um, wait, wait, what, what did you get that listing? Oh yeah. Oh, okay. You didn't say that part. Yeah. Okay. That was like that. You you remember it was like mid-century house. I I remember. Yeah. (laughs) I remember, but the listeners don't. Well, yeah, I did get that listing and, um, and I didn't have to reduce anything or I don't think, I don't think I reduced anything. Mm Mm-hmm. But the 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 beauty of that situation was that he actually gave me the opportunity to handle the objection. Sometimes you don't get it, and that's frustrating. That's a whole nother. That's a whole nother conversation. Yeah, that's just the, the when you get the email because they're too afraid to call that says we decided to go in another direction. Thank you, and yeah. then that's it. And and then you reply, "Is there anything I could have done?" Or blah blah. I'm looking for feedback, and they just ignore you. <laughs> I do always. If you don't get the listing, it is a good idea to ask for feedback. It helps you make things better. But most of the time, the feedback is stupid. Yeah. <laughs> so here's some feedback I've gotten. Is this this is still relevant? Sure. Um I had one where the woman was like, we just felt a really strong connection with the other agent. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay. <laughs> That's not very constructive, but uh, oh, all right then. So so I just need to fix my personality. <laughs> just just make your personality better or <laughs> Or, or just make it more like yours, yeah. right? You wanted me to come in there and just be just like you. Yeah. Um. By the way, 
I, and I'm not bitter. <laughs> no, it doesn't sound like it. <laughs> but you sold your house for exactly what I told you you would. And the answer was probably you didn't like the price that we were talking yeah, about. Yeah, that's most of the time. That's and what it's, it's easier be. to yeah. say, you know, I really had a strong connection with that other person because they were telling you what <laughs> you wanted to hear. <laughs> yeah, because they, they, were, they were saying exactly what I wanted to hear. <laughs> you know, there's a script um, from Diana Kokoska, who is the writer of the bold class that we talk about and reference a lot from MAPS Coaching. Um, she, she has a great line and I've never actually used it. I don't think, but I should, where it's like, um, it's, it's something about, I'm going to, you know, always be honest with you. Um, and that's what you want, right? It may not, it's something like, you're not, I'm not always going to tell you what you want to hear. I'm, I'm butchering it, but it's essentially setting them up with the expectation that I'm not going to tell you what you want to hear. And isn't that what you want? I'm going to tell you the truth. Mm-hmm. And too often but like, I want the truth to be what I want to hear <laughs> well so recently I had a um situation actually and then we'll get back to commissions um that's okay we're still in a rabbit hole <laughs> oh right <laughs> we've gone down several yeah um I had my afternoon coffee so I recently had a situation where a seller wanted to list their property um hundred and five thousand dollars higher than the high the most recent I'm sorry not the not the most recent sale, the highest sale mm-hmm. recently. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. And that in comparison to the house, what the house, that, you know, if it's a $3 million house, then that's not a lot, but it wasn't a $3 million house. Oh, right. House. No, no, no. It, it was, was like. It was a 25% or not, maybe not that much, but um, 15, yeah. 15%. Um, no, I think it was more, it was more than 15% because yeah. it was. So here's the thing about pricing. Here's another rabbit hole. Um, if you're within, okay, if you're 10% over market value, you're so far out of the bucket that you're probably not even going to get any showings. Mm-hmm. Um, the bucket. I don't know what this bucket is. But anyways, if you're if you're that far out of the market, then you're probably not even going to get any showings. If you're like within like a 5%, 10 to 5% range, you'll still get showings. You'll just get feedback that the price is too high and then you can make an adjustment. So I always, this is how I gauge like a listing. Now, as you get higher in price, that might not be the right percentage because right. yeah, then it starts to get like pretty big numbers. Yeah. We're just talking about I'm the I'm talking the, the about middle, your average the median, middle of the road. Yeah. In, in Orlando, Central Florida is like 450 to 500. We're right. talking about like that kind of price range. And so 10% would be like $50,000. So if if I think your house is worth, and, and this is not this specific scenario, but if I think your house is worth around four fifty, dollars and you want to price at $500, that's a big difference. Mm-hmm. That's, a, that's a different bracket of buyer that's looking at half a million versus the median, or not the median, the average price in, in the area. And so if you're higher than that 10%, you're out of the market range. So I just always, when I'm talking about pricing, I know going in sort of what I think the range of value is. And then sometimes you're seeing the house for the first time. Well, most of the time you are. And so you're kind of adjusting while you're there. Like, mm, is this nicer or worse than I thought it was going to be? Mm-hmm. And these people are liars. <laughs> they said they, they had said the it best was nice. Ever. <laughs> and, um, and you're kind of adjusting in your mind what, what you're willing to do. Because ultimately, we're the ones who who front the cost. Mm-hmm. And I don't want to go into a situation and spend my own hard-earned money and then not make it back, right? 
That's yeah. what we do every day. We I'm take in the a habit listing. of selling houses, not sticking signs in yards. Yeah. <laughs> That's not my job. I'm not in the business of listing houses. I'm in the business of selling houses. So let's choose a price that will cause your home to sell. So you are, yeah, oh, you just <laughs> went right in the script. So the, I recently was in a situation and I was trying to work, you know, work them through the realization that it was going to be so much more over what the market value was. If the so highest the, sales for price. For example, real quick, you were, if you just said about 450 and listing at five and this these aren't the exact numbers, but it wasn't listing at five. It was like listing at five twenty-five. More, more, <laughs> more. Six, five fifty. So yeah, because it was a hundred thousand dollars, right? Over the over your what you came out as the top price, they were a hundred thousand dollars over that. More than a hundred thousand. <laughs> more than a hundred thousand. And before you start saying to your out loud, yes, she showed them all of the comparables. <laughs> and showed them and made them look at those photos and say, is your house nicer than this or not as nice as this? All of those things. And he said, yeah, but I've spent this much money on fixing it up and that's what I want to get. And so we were talking about 20%, 21% higher mm-hmm. than the highest recent sale. So you might be saying to yourself, well, that's not going to appraise. No, it's not. No, it won't. And so we had that conversation and then it's like, Oh, well, I know it's not going to appraise. Okay, but yet you still want to list this much higher. But anyways, so you go unreasonable. You go through these conversations and then you evaluate, does this make business sense? And so my goal was to try to get him to a bracket where I thought he would at least get showings because there was a lot of nice features right. about the house. Because if you can get showings and multiple people, the feedback is it's priced too high, then you've got some juice you've got you've got some facts that you can put in front of them and say see it's too high look at all these people they all said the same well and we were trying to create a plan of like okay so let's get into a realistic bracket that will at least generate exposure and then if we don't get an offer which we won't won't. (laughs) we'll lower it and i thought i i thought we were on the same page and then i got that email (laughs) the dreaded email that's like we've decided to list with someone else and in that moment, I'm like, good. Yeah. Good. Yeah. Because if you weren't going to take my advice, then yeah. you were yeah. never going to take my advice. You weren't right. going to lower it when I told, when we discussed that we were yeah. going to do it's that. It's going to be sitting there until next year. And it doesn't make sense to do it. Mm-hmm. I'd rather not get a, well, I wouldn't be getting a paycheck no. anyways. Well, we say all, <laughs> we say all the time, what is the, your biggest most important thing is your time. It's the only thing that you have is your time. That's your that's your equity. And so if you spend all of your time driving out to this little town out in the middle of nowhere and and putting the lockbox on and doing the thing and having to call them and say, yeah, we didn't get any showings and all all of the stuff prepping it for all of the what we said earlier in the episode, all of the work that goes in before the house even gets listed, doing all of those things for it to not sell. When you could be out looking for other clients, not only are you in the hole because of the money that you spent on it not selling, but you also were not looking for other clients at the time and you could have been you could have found two other listings and a buyer in that amount of time that you spent on this listing that will not sell. I know. I, I wish that 
like I if if they would have followed the advice, I would have taken it. But it, I think it was also. Well, yeah, because they would have said that you would they would have shown you mm-hmm. these people are reasonable. I explained the situation. They understood. They listened to what I said. They absorbed it. And then they made a decision based on that. But what happened is, is you did all of those things and they said, yeah, we still want to do this. So they told you who they were yeah, and the type and what this relationship was going to be moving forward. And I'm sure, I don't know this, but I'm sure they found a desperate agent who said, whatever you want to do is fine. And that agent is going to spin their wheels and run around and spend a bunch of money and have to have those conversations. And, and you know, that sucks for them that they, that they did that, but that's what's going to end up happening. And I know it's hard right now to even determine like what's, what's the right list price because we're in this. It's not 20% higher than what <laughs> everything else is saying. I can tell you that. Um, no one's going to walk in and say, oh, it's $100,000 more, but I love this house that was updated in 1998 more than anything I've ever seen before. I'll pay the, I'm paying in cash. Like no one's going to do that. I think like what, what people want in general, (laughs) what, what serious sellers want is your guidance. It's like, like you, you said, the, the guide up the mountain is like, the the mountain is treacherous and sometimes it's changing and there's different con- weather conditions, right? I'm using this analogy hard. Um, and there's different weather conditions. And that's kind of where we're at with this market is like what I'm looking at for sales numbers um, from a month ago are not the same as what's pending. Yeah. And it's not what's active. Like if you look at active competition, it's like you have no idea where to price. You know what I mean? And um, and. So it's hard to determine, but what people want from you is just honest advice to say, you know what, we've been on the market two weeks and looking at the sale, I've had to have this conversation recently, like looking at the sales numbers, we're still fine. Mm -hmm. Looking at what's pending, we're not that overpriced, but all I can tell you is that based on the feedback, we got to make a change. What is actively happening today is different than what happened a month ago or three months or six months or two years ago. And we have to make a change because if you don't, then you won't sell your house. And you'll be chasing the market down. And you can sell it now for four fifty, or you can sit and wait and see what happens and then in a month and a half sell it for four twenty five. Yeah. And it's not it's not like um so here's the thing, because people might hear that and be like, well, the prices are falling. The the average price in our area is still higher than it was last year. Mm-hmm. But we were starting to, I believe people were starting to price sort of ahead of the market. Yes. And that's, that's exactly what was happening. And so when you see prices coming down and new prices and stuff, it's just people adjusting their expectations right. to having less buyers and what a real normal like steady market looks like. Yeah. And then who knows? Like I don't pretend to know the future. So um, we might see a slide in prices. And I know some economic predictors you know, have it where it's going to like kind of level off and then maybe go down slightly. Um, but the point is you don't really know what the future holds. All you can do is interpret the data and then be able to educate the consumer about it and don't be afraid to tell them just like, don't be afraid to explain to them what the value is that you're bringing to the table, circling back to commission (laughs) and be able to explain to them that the gross commission covers you for selling the house period. Mm -hmm. And if somebody helps you and cooperates with you as a co-op agent to help sell the house, you're going to give them some of that money. 
so that they get paid too. Because if you don't, then they don't get paid. That means they're not going to help you. That means you're doing more work. Therefore, you'd get the whole thing, right? Because you're doing more work. Mm-hmm. It just makes sense. Well, it's like um, Catherine's got... Now I'm getting ranty. Well, Catherine does the same thing with commissions on the team where there's different pieces of the pie that they do. And the more pieces of the pie that you do as a as a buyer's agent, the more commission you make. But if Ooh, I'm gonna use a pie, that's with, um, that's what this would be. This would be half the pie, and 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 either I'm gonna do all of the work and get all of the pie, or I'm gonna do half the work and do, get half the pie. So yeah. and let's take a break, and then we'll come back and we'll get into whatever, whatever, yeah. wherever, wherever, <laughs> wherever the day takes us. Okay. All right, let's take a break. The Think Look B team is an Orlando-based real estate team with Keller Williams Realty at the Parks. We operate as a boutique-style company with the resources of the largest real estate company behind us. Think Look B is looking for talented people like you to join our team. If you happen to live in the Orlando area and you're a detail-oriented quick learner, then we might have a place for you. Whether you're a real estate agent or administrative professional, we are looking for individuals who are ready to work hard and ready for success. If you're ready to join the team, visit us at thinklivebee.com. And we're back. Okay. So I was just thinking before we went to break, um, there was, so no, we talk about knowing your value and that's super important. And one of the exercises that I did in the last couple of years that I started to get into and then we got off track is um, writing out different commission packages. So mm-hmm. meaning like it was super competitive in the last couple of years. And so trying to figure out how to offer different options for people so that you could stay competitive in the industry and writing that out actually really clearly um, allows you to see what you're doing mm-hmm. for the seller. And it doesn't take everything into account. So it's like one of those, like uh, an AT&T premium standard and ultra packages. Yeah. And then all the list underneath it of what are all you of getting? the things you get for that you know the the ultra package you get drone photography and blah 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 and this and that and everything else and then but it's a higher commission the mm-hmm. highest commission mm-hmm. and then it's like then you hand it to the seller and say pick one i suggest the one in the middle <laughs> right. right and you know i didn't actually end up using that that often it was only when i knew commission was a concern that i pulled it out and gave them options mm-hmm. and then I will say in my experience, they always chose the lesser one. The lowest, but the lowest one. The lowest one, but. Because they were already telling you that's, that's almost like, oh, that's that, that's that thing of, well, haven't you ever heard that kids that learn, uh, the learn music do better in math? And it's like, well, that's because they have parents that give them, get the music lessons and are probably sitting at the table doing their homework with them it's not necessarily connected. And so anytime you pulled that out, it was to people who are already concerned about the commission. Yeah. So of course they always pick the smallest one. You have to do it to every single one but to it, really get a idea of what it is that people pick. Does that make sense? Yeah, of course. But it also like outlining what the packages are lets you, first of all, if somebody chooses the the lower package, that's fine because I know right. I worked the math to say I can do these things at this commission rate mm-hmm. and still make the same profit and sell you and still sell your house and still sell your house. Right. right? It's not going to be too detrimental to you 
and I can still make the same or close to the same profit because I'm not going to do as much stuff Mm -hmm. as you get with the regular service. Mm -hmm. Um, And so it helps outlining those things and seeing like, where really are you spending your, your money? It doesn't account for time by the way, which is our biggest asset. And we've Mm -hmm. talked about that many times. Um, It doesn't account for every like minute you'll spend working on things, but it lets you really just get a clear picture of like hard costs and things that are going to go into it. Um, And so that's a good exercise to do is like write out what are you doing for sellers that costs money and like write it out, you know? Yeah. From the very first step to the last Mm -hmm. all the way to the closing gift. Yeah. And then for just a, a basic listing. And then if you do luxury listings, that's a different package, by the way, but like write that, that out too, because that's going to be more expensive. And then that helps you know your numbers. So you can, you, it helps you with two things. It helps you see the value that you're bringing and illustrate it to the sellers so that they see like, I'm not just sticking a sign in your yard, but by the way, that sign costs money. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, And it also helps you determine your, your, your numbers. So there's a really great, uh, or there, I'm sure it's still like, I'm sure you can find on YouTube or something, but Ben Kenny has a, um, a script that he used to use to explain commission. And he would take like a business card and he would rip it into three pieces. Okay. He actually, I think he would take, he would take like dollar bills or not rip dollar bills. Maybe it was business cards, but (laughs) maybe he took three, maybe he took $6 bills and, yeah, I think it was dollar bills. All right, pick one. <laughs> was Phoebe there? Jesus. <laughs> okay. So let's say you have six dollar bills. I think that's what it was. And he would take three and immediately move them to the side and say, This this is to pay the other agent. The other agent. And then he would explain the other three. Or in our scenario earlier, ten. Mm-hmm. So here's five. Five's going this way. And then these other five. And so in the three example, it works really well because it breaks down kind of like this. Okay, so Mr. Seller, like, here's here's three. This is going to pay the other person who's going to be helping get this house sold, working with the buyer. And then here's the other three. And then this goes to pay taxes. That's one. This goes to, oh, actually, I think it's um, a broker, like, right. and everybody's splits are different or whatever. It's not exact, but the point was, like, this is, you know, the cost of business to pay the brokerage, et cetera. That's one. Um, this is to pay the IRS because they got to get their money, right? That's two. And then this is this is what I take home. Which is one left over. So when somebody offers... So when they see that number that says $28,000, well, so they all they can see is that's what my realtor is making. Wait, you're messing up my thing. Sorry. <laughs> but so at the end of that script, and I'm, I'm always butchering other people's scripts, um, but... And it, it, it's a visual illustration of where the money goes so they can understand that, first of all, you're not taking all of that home. Mm-hmm. And secondly, um, the w- what he says at the end of it is, so Mr. Seller, Mr. and Mrs. Seller, when the other agent offers you less commission, where do you think that they're taking that from? Right. I mean, they've got to pay the IRS, right? They got to pay the they other gotta agent. Pay, they got to pay the other agent. They, they got to pay their broker. And so do you think that they're they're taking it from their own commission Profit, or are they going to take it right. or are they going to take it from the marketing and and I kind of messed that up because it's like the marketing IRS Right. Yeah. Um 
I think the IRS and broker go together. Right. And then the other one is marketing. And the other is marketing. Marketing your home. And so here's the thing. In that script, do do you necessarily spend 30% of the commission on marketing that one person's home? I don't know. Everybody's business is different. But what I can tell you is that the cost to operate my business, just like any other MREA business, it should be about 30%. Mm-hmm. So the cost to run my business mm-hmm. is roughly 30%. Right. Because it's not just marketing. It's it's uh, There's the other part of running the business that's in there that you can, like there, the like the TC work and all of the rest and all of those other things. So when you've got an agent who says, oh, I can take that. I can do it for less. Well, that's their communication with you. That's making sure that what I'm, I've got people on my team that are making sure that the ball doesn't get dropped and things don't slip through the holes and that uh, we don't end up on closing day not being able to close. But the person who is taking it for less, they're cutting corners. They have to because you five and a half of this goes to these things that I showed you and they're going to keep their profit. So that's the only place that that, that it, and that's going to hinder you. So, so that's the, the, and again, I just messed it up royally. But people are getting the, the, the idea. The idea of, is you, you have to be able to explain and illustrate this when people question it. Some people just understand and value it. Yeah. If people have had good experiences with you previously, they probably, they're not going to question anything because you're, they're a past client. They already know your value. That's yeah. why they're back. Yeah. And or if they've had good experiences with other real estate agents and professionals in the past, they don't know any different. They value that what that provides, then Mm -hmm. they won't question things either. But everybody else might ask questions about commission and things like that. And you have to be able to explain all of that business now. So the one of the not the reason, but one of the reasons we're talking about all this stuff is because there's all this stuff about buyers, agents and commissions going away and blah, blah, blah. And I'm not going to get into the weeds on all of the lawsuits right. and all that crap. No, go read a Facebook page. There's plenty of people giving, <laughs> their, giving their opinions on. The, yeah. yeah. I don't like to get all in the weeds on that. I was I was kidding, by no, the way. Do not do that. I know you are. You guys, you have, I said this to Catherine, the people who have all of the time in the world to go onto Facebook and type 30 paragraphs of what they think aren't making their calls to their sphere. So that's what they should be doing. But instead, they're on Facebook doing this. Do not listen to those people. They don't know what they're talking about. <laughs> yeah. Well, so I make the mistake, like, I'll get up in the morning and I'll come down to feed feed the dogs and stuff. And I'll sit down for a second and I'll, I'll, I'll have my coffee and I'll open up Facebook for a second and I'll be like, nope. Yeah. <laughs> Close, shut it down. Yeah. Because all, that's all I'm seeing because, you know, when you're in real estate, yeah. All you see is other people's realtor stuff. And so you think that this is like consuming the entire world, but the reality is it's just only in the realtor world. Yeah. Nobody knows what is. Yeah. But so I don't want to get in the weeds on all the lawsuits, nor would I pretend to understand 100% what's going on. What I will say, though, is that I have been doing this for 17 years and there's plenty of people who've been doing this for 30, 40 years. Okay. The real estate industry always has changes and things, things, whether it's market shifts or technology that changes the way that we do business. It happens all the time. I will give you an example. I remember when I first got into real estate, um, Zillow was not that far 
like oh like it started not that much earlier than when I got into real estate. Well, the only way it was get, enough. The that only people, way to get on a Zillow was on your desktop computer at home because it was before there were smartphones. Right. <laughs> so there was no such thing as a Zillow app. Yeah. Well, and and everybody, you know, was so scared that Zillow was going to take over the world and everything. And look, they've made a lot of things change the way that there's access to information. Misinformation. I'm just kidding. Um, this <laughs> estimates. I cracked myself up. <laughs> um, but there's there's a lot of things that have changed by having technology available at buyer's fingertips. And yet we still kind of do business the same way. And I'm not saying that this won't have an impact on the way that we do business. It certainly will. But what I'm what I'm saying is that if you the biggest thing that I see when I look at these Facebook pages and I see all of the comments is the lack of understanding of how commission works to begin with, mm-hmm. which is what caused all of the issues that exist today. And so you need to really know your numbers, know your value. And when you go into a consultation, you should be explaining that the gross commission that you're charging is X, not half of X. Right. (laughs) Like you don't earn half of X, you earn X. And if somebody else helps you in the transaction, then you will help. You will also split that with them. Right. And if you can't explain that to sellers, then yeah, we've got issues in our industry. And so it's more of like a education issue, I think for, for the agents out there. But, Uh, and I said, people get nervous. It's like they get into those listing consultations. They're not used to doing them. Maybe they're younger agents or newer agents and you get, you're sitting there and you're trying to explain things and you don't really know and you get nervous and you just start talking and, and it's why it's important to learn the scripts and to practice over and over and over again so that you don't back yourself into a corner and say something you're not supposed to say. Well, I remember and hurt yourself. I remember. So when, when I got into real estate, There was like, you know, in the first couple of years, there was all this talk about like Zillow was was taking all of our leads and they were selling them off. And that's been a a contentious thing for years now. Mm -hmm. And yet I still work with buyers all the time. Right. Like because you can still go out and get clients everywhere. It's just, yes, were they calling on your listings before and and then Zillow was selling your listing leads? Sure. And and do, are we frustrated that all that happened? Uh, yeah, but at the same time, you just have to, you just adapt and you go find them in other places. Yeah, and there's other technologies that happen right alongside it that are all in the positive that you didn't have before. Yeah. It's like you just have to, it's like, that's part of the job. It's it's gonna, it, it's all revolves around technology. One of, one of our, um, buzzwords that we use in describing the company is te- is our technology what is it technology S- tech savvy sa- well but we have oh technology <laughs> we don't know I we don't know, know what don't it know. is listen we got a lot on our mind I right know. now I, I, seriously you guys are lucky you're even getting this episode so. <laughs> but anyways you know so and and through those 17 years discount brokerages oh they're going to take over and uh, all the commissions oh, right. are going to that, go away that's good and, yeah no. um mm-hmm. and and those places most of the places that i'm talking about don't even exist anymore right and the thing is is that yes every everything changes and you have to lean into that and and adapt and learn new models for business uh, that you do have to do that but if, if you're scared 
if you think that this is going to change your whole life and you need to get out of the real estate business immediately, yeah. then you well, should have never been here to yeah. begin with. Well, what that you know what that tells me is that you've spent zero time building a clientele, building a client base, building your sphere and working your sphere. Because if you think you're if you are in contact with your sphere 41 times a year, they will not just call on a sign and 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 they will come and say, hey, I want to look at this house. Hey, so I was thinking about it. So I, I've said this um, a, few, a few times recently when people have asked me what I think about all this stuff going on. And then I'm like, get back to work. Get back to work. <laughs> Go make your calls. But I this is why Gary Keller has been on stage for the last, like, I don't know, five to seven years talking about building a moat around that's how they refer to it, building a moat around your database right and i don't really love that analogy and yet it I does do. illustrate the point yeah and because all of these other companies that exist they're trying to get in between you they, and them. they want to get in between you and your they business want, and so they, they want a piece a of the pie of yeah. course of course and it's just doing business by the way that's mm-hmm. just how business works um, there's always people looking for opportunity and they're going to take advantage of whatever they can to make a profit. And so the, they have been driving this home at Keller Williams um, and I'm sure other companies too, if you belong to another brokerage, about your sphere and your client base. And I think about, like I had a conversation with somebody yesterday that's one of my past clients that I've worked with. Um, I helped them buy their first home. Then I helped them sell that house and buy another one and they preferred business to me. And I was talking to her the other day, just about like nothing really. I'd call, it was a business call because it was on my checklist. You mean you were just calling your sphere? It was just calling my sphere. Right. Yeah. And like I, ca- I was calling my sphere because it was a task. But at the same time, I actually didn't talk about business at all. And um, asked them how they enjoyed this event that they went to recently and blah, blah, blah. How having that conversation and I hung up the phone and I thought to myself, there's no way that those people. I'm going to. Go on to next door. <laughs> they're not going to go. If they wanted to move again, there's no way that they're going to go call on a sign right. and go work with a listing agent. Of course not. I will be the first call the minute it pops into their head that they should buy yeah. something. Even if it means that they're sitting in a house, because sometimes that's what happens these days is like yeah. buyers are like always looking, right? Mm-hmm. And then, or I should say people. People yeah. are always looking until one day they just are a buyer. Mm-hmm. Happened to us. Yep. And... So even if they're standing in an open house. It's happened to us more than once. Yeah. Even if they're standing in an open house, they would pick up the phone and call me and say, hey, this is random, but we just walked into a house Mm -hmm. and we want to buy it. And I would be like, okay, let's do it. Which is, that means that your conversations, let's just say for argument's sake that something happens with these lawsuits and whatever, and we figure out you will have a better idea of what that is when it happens to be able to adjust your conversations with your past clients and database to be able to let them know the same way that you have the conversation with them about new home buyers, right? Everybody listening to this knows well, if you have a buyer and they, and, th- and they want to randomly go and look at new home builds that they do not go without you. Or they walk through the door and say, we have a realtor, it's this person, and hand them the business card or whatever, it, how, however it is in your state. That conversation is something that just should be second nature to you. Whatever happens with this other stuff, it will change the conversation that you have with your clients so that you can protect yourself. Just be aware of it. 
But if you think it's going to shut everything down and you're going to lose all your business, then you don't really have any business to begin with. Well, and so so back back to what I was saying, they they wouldn't ever call the listing agent. They would call me. Yeah. But a lot of people are fearful that with with these the lawsuits and things that are happening, that people will start offering the like zero percent to buyers agents. And then I think about that and I, th- I think a couple couple different things that I think are worth pondering. <laughs> One is I think that the this latest statement was that like 90% of the business is done by 10% of the agents. Right. And that quote could be a little bit off, but it's like the it's Pareto principle. It's the Pareto principle that 80% of X is done by 20% of X, you know? And but in real estate, I remember seeing some stat recently where it was 90 percent is done by 10 percent. And so think about that. Those the 10 percent who are doing most of the business understand, I believe anyways, and maybe I'll be proven wrong, but I believe that. And I would put myself in that batch, Mm -hmm. okay? because I'm in the top I'm in the top point. What is that point? One, two percent, two percent, something like that yeah. of a- agents in our area. And I value other agents and being able to work with other agents because I don't I, I do on occasion we've sold our own listings. I don't think it's in the be- the customer's best interest. And I I do believe that um, the way our like my business is structured and most top producing agents is structured is that I'm not going to go show a bunch of houses. Yeah, I'm not going like I, if I'm a listing agent, I'm not going to go open doors for buyers that I don't represent that uh, because I understand they haven't been. They're just random people calling on a sign. I'm not going to go rush over and open the door. So when I think about it like that, I think I, I believe that the top 10 percent that are doing 90 percent of the business understand and value co-op relationships yeah. and they're not going to start putting zero dollars on things and. Will other some other agents as a last ditch effort to like take a listing and stuff do that? Sure. But the market will change. Yeah. We're still in a low inventory market. And so it's high competition when it comes to taking listings. That will not always be that way. Right. Wait, wait till there's a lot of company. There's Winter a lot of is coming. Yeah. Wait, wait until there's a lot of there's a lot of listings on the market and then things, see what happens. Things change. Yeah. And so whatever like you think is going to happen, it's like the market dictates how competitive things are in our industry. And um, and then the other thing that now has slipped my mind, you guys, I have like terrible memory. It's like, <laughs> like I'll have a thought and then like, like two a, seconds. She's a like, goldfish. Two seconds later, it's gone. Um, well, maybe for next time. <laughs> okay, let's move on to our next, uh, our next section here. Ladies and gentlemen, the question you are about to hear is true. Only the names have been changed to protect the innocent. Questions from the Question from the web. What do you do to help owner-occupied houses get show ready? Some of my clients are, well, not the tidiest of people. Boxes and junk and stuff everywhere. What are some resources or things you do to get houses like these show ready so that the photos come out looking good and that the houses are in good shape for showings? Mm-hmm. Um, well, so I do what I call a staging plan where I take photos of the house as it exists when I'm at the listing appointment, which nobody ever cleans their house so it's usually like pretty bad and um so you walk in and then 
I walk in, I do the listing consultation. When they commit to working together, I go take photos around the house. You say, let me walk through this as if I was a buyer. Well, I do that. I walk through the house before we sit down to do the consultation. And then once we've agreed to work together, oh, I see. or if I think we're like on the edge there, and but they're like those people that just will not sign the paperwork that day, I will say, here's the next step. So you don't have to go back. If, if you want, if you call me up tomorrow and you say, hey, let's get started, I want to be prepared. So would it make sense for me to go ahead and take photos of the, the house so that I can prepare your staging plan if you want to move forward tomorrow? And it's also, it gives me a good clue. As to if I'm going to get the listing. Mm-hmm. Because if they're like, oh, yeah, go ahead. Or no. Then I'm like. We're good. We're good. Go <laughs> ahead, Catherine. We don't need you to do that. Yeah. Then I'm like, okay, I did not get that one. <laughs> um, So once we're at the end and we've committed to working together and either signed the listing agreement or I feel like it's a good chance, um, I go around and I take photos of things that I think they need to fix, So you, paint, spe- you specifically remove. go in and look for peeled paint. Spots on roofs or on ceilings, yeah, those kinds of things. And like then she, things she has, to she pack kno- and move. She, yeah, she know, she knows specifically what she's looking for from doing. Yeah, like I'll take a let's say I take a photo of a bathroom. In the bathroom, here's like every single house. This is what's going to need to be done. Clear off your vanity. I don't need to see all your toiletries all spread out everywhere. And clean out your shower or tub. Um, I don't need to see all your toiletries in the shower or tub. And for the most part, that's it. Unless I think that they could benefit from like painting or uh, extra cleaning Deep or something. Cleaning. It, sometimes they'll have like like half the light bulbs are missing. They never fix the <laughs> light bulbs. They never do it. I do. I put it in every station. I know. Man. I've been trying to get these sellers to put light bulbs in. And they never do. So... I don't um, know how people live like that. I don't know how you live like I that. I know. Like, guys, if, 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 if the light bulb all, goes out, just change it. First of all, they're all LEDs. So, so th- it's like they, they hardly ever go out. Well, but, our, in our house. Well, yeah. But uh, could you imagine, like, how long would it take if you if we woke up and the light in the library was not on? How long do you think we would go before I had changed out that light bulb? I think that would be the first thing you did before you made my coffee. Right. <laughs> So I, when we walk into houses and there's a, one of those chandeliers and six of the bulbs are burned out, I just, I don't get it. Anyway. This is off topic, but why do people keep their houses so hot? <laughs> <laughs> I know. Okay. Sorry. Yeah, they, they do. But, but yeah. But so I'll take photos of each room and I'll tell people what they need to paint, move, furniture to get rid of. Like people always have like so much furniture. Yeah. And like, well, I always li- say- like it's, it's little things like why do you have like five- side chairs and two small tables in your bedroom like get rid of all of that you know what i mean we always say we want other people to be able to look at this house and make it look like they could live here which means you have to and we also want it to feel large so you have to remove furniture and what i always ask Catherine to say is you're planning on moving right Put some of this stuff in boxes. Yeah. You're planning on moving. And that's what pack for, it up. For owner occupied, like you want to push them to get a storage unit. Yeah. Or the or you know, sometimes they got a two car garage. You start you stacking stuff, stuff in, in that garage. Mm-hmm. Yep. Whether it's put it in your garage or even like depending on how cluttered their house is, sometimes it's just like putting some stuff in a few boxes in yeah. a closet and you won't even notice. Um but yeah, it's you you've got to get them to pare things down. I'll also give them recommendations on things if I think like let's say you have a really nice feature in the house, uh like let's say you have a pool. Uh but there's no furniture out there. 
I would recommend putting furniture out there or like an outdoor rug with a table, just something to showcase the space. Right. But at the end of the day, what she does is says specifically when she walks in, I'm going to walk around the house and take some photos so I can put together a staging plan for you, which isn't this passive aggressive sort of thing of you sending an email later on of maybe you could try to do this. She's letting them know right from the beginning, this is what you do. This is the way this is going to work. And these are the things I am going to work really, really hard to sell your house. I'm going to need you to buy into that too. Well, and it's also, um, I, I think most of the time people do want that advice. Yeah. Every now and then I think yeah. they're like, I don't want to do it. Well, anything. especially if they don't live there. <laughs> um, but it's also in the video that I send. Right. It's like a, it's essentially a pre-listing packet, but it's a video that goes out with the calendar reminder that says, like, I'll see you at your house at this date and time. And it's just like a two minute video that it kind of introducing yourself me and, and how yeah. we do things. And one of the things it says in there is I create a staging plan. And so they're prepared for like, that's going to be the first thing we're going to do is we're going to get your house ready. Right. You want to make top dollar? Well, this is how. And we, and Catherine's been doing this long enough that we have a basic kind of generic staging plan that everybody gets that are the covers all of the basics. And then she makes a specialized one that has the extra things with the photos and stuff. But that first page is, is just the general things that you would want somebody to do to pressure wash the house and all of those kinds of things that, that you yeah. want to have happen. Yeah. So. Yep. That's it. <laughs> Small win. Kat, do you have a small win this week? Oh, man, I didn't come prepared. I mean, <laughs> I can't think about anything other than getting this house. I know. It, I know. It has been a um, two-week kind of nonstop thing of getting trying to get it ready and done. And, and every single day, luckily, I've had some time to be able to go over there and do it. And we've got really good contractors that helped us out right at the beginning. We had a lot, most of the stuff we were doing was outside stuff. So we got to do that while the tenants were still there. And so we kind of got ahead of the game, but it has been kind of fully engulfed our uh, personal time for the last two weeks. Um, I mean, I, enjoy- I guess our, our smallest, our small win is that we're getting the hell out of here for a couple for a week yeah we're going on we're going on our year a- annual, annual vacation trip to, yeah to north carolina so that's going to be nice mm, that's, that's and that's I something to look forward to so yeah. hopefully by the time we uh wrap this podcast up and Catherine goes and grabs her phone we'll have an offer <laughs> knock on wood <laughs> that's me knocking on wood fingers crossed Hey guys, remember to rate and review us on iTunes. It really helps new listeners to find us. Send your questions from the web to onseekingthebest at gmail.com. Leave us a Spotify voicemail with your questions and we'll play it on the show. All info is in the show notes. And for Kat and myself, thanks for listening and we'll figure this all out next week. Bye. This has been a Think Live Be production.